A couple news stories regarding the livestock and beef industry in Colorado have made national news. The Captain Tim O'Byrne joining me to discuss these topics. Then we'll also highlight some outstanding women in agriculture. Plus, meteorologist Don Day on the validity of 90-day fog forecasting and a look at the long-term forecast on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Well, welcome to this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We appreciate you taking the time to join us here on this episode. You know, it's my goal on each one to have you walking away with more knowledge than when you started, and I hope that's the case today. But we are glad to have you here. Now, I had planned on having Rob Foreman with Trinity Farms on this episode as we were going to be talking about the advantages of heterosis in cattle herds. I talked with Rob last week to get things sort of lined up, but I knew there was going to be maybe an outside chance that we couldn't quite get things put together on our schedules because they, they're at Trinity Farms. They are busy this week heading out on the road delivering bulls to their customers, so safe travels in that. But we will be having Rob Foreman with Trinity Farms here on the Working Ranch episode, and I will be sure to let you know when he joins us. But never fear, I have someone else joining me today that is no stranger to the Working Ranch podcast, and it is none other, ladies and gentlemen, than the Captain Tim O'Byrne, live and in person on this episode. Hey, everybody. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for asking. I appreciate you joining us here. And uh, I guess since I have you on, I, I'm going to have you kind of update us on a couple things going on with Working Ranch Magazine, because I know there's a new issue out. And so what are some of the highlights of this issue? It's the April-May issue. It should be in your mailboxes right now. We've got all kinds of exciting things in there. We've got a cool story, Ranching for the Birds by Melissa Hemkin on South Dakota's Hoyle Ranch, a partnership melds bird-friendly management with e-commerce. I think that's a really good one. Uh, State by State is the Colorado Cattlemen's Association interview with Terry Fankhauser. And uh, coming up a little bit later, we'll talk about Colorado. And then the Ranchers Journal is really cool. It's by Ginger Cheney. Rosy Cheeks, Drought, and Escaping Bull, a crew of 23, wary wolves, and a heck of a lot of horseback cattle work on this rugged Arizona outfit. Check it out, April-May issue. Justin. All right. And then the other thing, and I've shared with our podcast listeners as well, you brought this up a couple weeks ago on Tim's Two Cents, but the Working Ranch Expo, and we're kind of promoting that because it's new to the National Finals Rodeo uh, in Las Vegas during that time frame, the Working Ranch Magazine having the Working Ranch Expo, and a couple, three days during that, right there in the middle of Cowboy Christmas. I've never been more stoked about anything in my life other than being invited on this podcast with you today. <laughs> we've been thinking about having an expo for years. Uh, we've looked at certain venues, nothing really checked out, and this one just kind of fell right in our lap. And I got to tell you, folks, for those of you that remember coming to Vegas to the Cowboy Christmas, the original Cowboy Christmas back maybe six, seven years ago, it was in the North Hall at the convention center right there on the, I mean, you want to talk about a crowded intersection, Paradise mm-hmm. and Convention Center Drive. And uh, we got that original North Hall. It's 100,000 square feet, not a column anywhere to be seen. You could play a heck of a game of hockey out there. <laughs> and we're going to fill it, and it's going to be December 8th to the 10th. So that's uh, 
Wednesday, Thursday, and a Friday. Right, that's going to be the last week of NFR. It's, I think it's just going to be fantastic. And then right across the street, so some of you folks will remember where we used to park behind the old Riviera Hotel there mm-hmm. and kind of take the walkway over. That is the brand new 600,000 square foot Las Vegas Convention Center uh, West Hall. And that's where the big Cowboy Christmas is going to be this year. So imagine that. I mean, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of people are going to be at that Cowboy Christmas at the new West Hall. We're just a hop, skip, and a jump over the Sky Bridge to the North Hall. We're going to have so much fun there, Justin. And the best part is we're going to have enough seminar material there that you're going to be able to use it as a tax write-off, a visit to our beautiful city in the middle of the desert, in the middle of December. The weather's usually always amazing. Everybody's happy. Can't wait. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. We're going to be hosting it. Mm-hmm. We're going to be – we're going to shake so many hands, we're going to have to have uh, – <laughs> We're gonna we have to take a break. Yeah, well, well, we're, we'll just have to carry around a jug of uh, stuff on our hip there, you know, for uh, yeah. hand sanitizer. Yeah, <laughs> but well, that is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it as well. December eighth through the tenth during the NFR, the Working Ranch Expo. Make sure to put that on your calendar of the many things you can do in Vegas during the National Finals Rodeo. Well, right now, we'd like to thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Podcast, the American Simmental Association. You know, there is a lot of tradition in our cattle industry, and many of it we admire and we do appreciate. However, at the end of the day, we still have to be profitable, which is why the American Simmental Association believes their primary purpose for existence is genetic evaluation and providing genetic awareness tools that then help producers make decisions that will move their operations forward, from things like maternal traits to terminal traits. The genetic merit of Simmental Genetics have provided increased profitability to the rancher. Sim Genetics is profit through science. You can find out more at Simmental.org. Other sponsors include Central Life Sciences. It's going to be that time of year, so plan ahead with Altacid IGR fly control products. Also, the American Hereford Association, Corteva AgroScience, and their new DuraCore herbicide, and the North American Limousine Foundation. Well, now, typically at this point in the show, Captain, I would be introducing you to share with us your weekly insights through Tim's Two Cents, but since you have graced our show here today, I'm going to toss it right back to you. So so what do you have in your two cents for this week? Two cents. I got a heck of a lot more than two cents. You got on ten this. cents today. I got two bucks on this one. <laughs> you know, I've been doing. I've been in this business for forty-three years, and I've never had a uh, an item come up that actually, you know, kept kept me awake at night. It's like, what are we going to do with this one? So, folks, uh, I'm going to get you to check it out on your own. It's a Colorado State Ballot Initiative protect animals from unnecessary suffering and exploitation. Uh, There are uh, portions of this ballot that are so disturbing that we're not even going to discuss it Mm -hmm. here on this wonderful uh, radio show. Um, But I want you to check it out. And uh, all I can tell you is um, it's beyond anything I've ever seen, anything we, Justin, we talked Mm -hmm. about it here last week. Anybody I've talked to, about what they're proposing here uh, is absolutely beyond anything I've ever even seen or heard of, and it's we're going to have to jump on this sucker. 
Well, and I think as we talked earlier, you know, the, you, we're not going to go into the details of some of this of some of this ballot initiative out there, and and we would encourage people to go out there and seek it out and read it, read it. But really, as as we've talked, the concern is there's probably a fairly good chance this is not going to happen. However, what's going on in the background? We got a snowball building here. Exactly, and the we we've talked about it for twenty years. The disconnect between the urban people and rural agriculture and food production. Um, I thought we kind of with the I I thought with this COVID thing with the empty shelves kind of mm-hmm. put us in a little bit of a better light, and I know it did. I t- to a certain degree with with a lot of people. They they really there was a big. I think right around June, July there, 2020, there was a big push to thank the farmer and thank the trucker and thank everybody that was um, involved in, in putting that food on the shelf because folks got a little bit scared. They got a little rattled. Mm-hmm. And, and, they, and they, they, they got to thinking, well, you know, guess what? We're not capable of growing any of this stuff. And, uh, but now with this uh, ballot, I don't know. It's, um, it's gone off the rails and uh, you guys have to check it out for yourself. One of the elements of it is that um, they are requesting that livestock animals be allowed to live 25% of their natural lifespan before they are harvested. So folks, uh, they put 20 years on a cow. That means no cow critter can be harvested before they're five years of age. And that's a that's about as loopy I mm-hmm. think as I've heard. Yeah, any I, suggestion out there? I you know we talked a little bit at the top that uh, Colorado's been in the news quite a bit lately, especially the ag industry and the and the governor there with the uh, meat out day that he had proclaimed for I believe the twentieth of March that actually almost went kind of the other way and it um, did go the other way <laughs> quite extensively and did you now did you read that he kind of even took credit for that did you did you see that that he that, that that was his genius of marketing plan <laughs> i thought well, we well, need more of that governor we yeah. need more of that i thought oh my you're word. doing great keep swinging <laughs> yeah but uh i did see where governor paulus there in colorado through the, uh his spokesperson shelby weimer said that he agrees with farmers and ranchers that the pause ballot initiative would hurt Colorado and destroy jobs, and he opposes it. Supposedly. Oh, well, that's that's so a step that's, in the right direction. Yeah, so that was the latest that I heard from, from that. But nevertheless, just the fact that something like that is even in the news is quite spooky, and I think that's the concern we got. The harsh part for me is that it's criminalizing us, like just regular people that just work cattle for doing things that are accepted by the American Veterinary Medical Association and have been for years. So, you know, we always condone and inspire people through the magazine, the podcast, and Facebook to uh, uh, enter into a valid patient-client relationship with your veterinarian or VCPR. If you've got a VCPR, every single thing that you do should be legal and ethical. That's what we do. We've been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. And now this ballot instantly criminalizes us for doing things that are rational, acceptable, and legal. And I don't like it one bit. All right. There we go. That will put a wrap on Tim's $2 today. 
(laughs) 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 I took up my time, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah, so stick with us. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation. The Captain Tim O'Byrne joining me on today's episode of the Working Ranch Podcast as we talk about some of the current issues and things in the agriculture, the livestock ranching industry as well. So we'll be back on the Working Ranch Podcast right after this. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills. Happy to have along for the ride on this episode today, the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine. He is my featured guest, and this segment is brought to you by Corteva AgriScience. Keep weeds out of the way with new DuraCore herbicide and make the most of your pasture. Learn more at DuraCoreHerbicide.com. Well, Captain, we talked a little bit ago about uh, one big issue down in Colorado, but there are other things going on as well. And what's been floating across your desk lately? Well, before we get into it, I have a question for you because okay. <laughs> I think it's important that uh, our listeners kind of get to know who Justin Mills really is, Uh-oh. right? <laughs> and I know, so here's my question to you. Um, I'm glad you're not asking it of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's so many things to do on a cow outfit, and you got sheep on top of it too, um, and then you're you're taking in some customer cows, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My question to you, Mr. Justin Mills, is what are you good at on the ranch? Like, you know, you can't be good at everything like me, of course. <laughs> I'm like an expert welder. I'm an expert geneticist and all that expert fencer. But you have to have oh. something that you're like, man, I got this nailed. What is it? Tell us. Tell everybody out there in podcast land. Oh, my word. Go that's, ahead, that's, brag. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of a tough question, you know. I, I mean, I, I grew up in, I grew up on the farm and ranch, so the work uh, and knowing how to fence and, and calve and, and lamb and doing those kinds of things, I mean, that's, that's you learn to do those kind of things. And, uh, and so, but probably my previous backgrounds of my professional career before I moved back to the ranch uh, from the business side of things probably gave me more and I didn't know this at the time, but set me up to be a better business manager when I look at my agricultural enterprises and trying to understand and trying to manage that stuff from a from a business perspective. And I and I would say that that's probably kind of a boring answer in a way, but I feel that's the strength that I have. Probably it's not the not the fact that I don't have um, that I don't know the work or the or the things like that or that I'm the best um, fence stretcher out there. But probably the strength that I come into is is the management side of things, knowing at the same time that you still have to get out and got you know you got to get a little sweat on the brow and get some work done too. So I don't know. Is that kind of a boring answer for you? It's actually a surprising answer because I think that is one of the most important and most neglected areas of ranching, and that is that office stuff that you just bloody well hate to do unless it's 
you know, 30 below and blowing mm-hmm. snow across the yard. Uh, it, it takes a certain kind of person to be able to, to, to focus long enough and to be able to have enough vision. You got to have foresight. You also have to have, you got to be strategic and you got to be tactical at the same time when you're doing the office stuff and the business stuff, right? Yes. You got to have, you got to have both eyes open, both ears wide open. You got to, you got to be able to, to think about trends and you get some of these guys are getting into complex hedging and, and things like that. Um, you know, tax issues, you got to have a great accountant. You got to have a great relationship with your accountant. And for you to say that, I think really, uh, really puts a spotlight on the fact that a lot of us fall short in that. So way to shame the rest <laughs> of us, no. Justin. Well, I'll Thanks. tell you, I, and just because that is sort of the perspective I come from, it doesn't mean I'm always getting it done on time or correctly either, but uh, it's, a, it's a process that's, you know, in the works, and, uh, and it's tough, you know, because I think it's easy Growing up, growing up on a ranch, growing up on a farm, it's easy to go out and and you know and do the jobs that are you know. There's this stretch of fence that needs to be done, or we need to put in this fence, or we need to get you know these cattle sorted, or we need you know that's the easy stuff to do because that's here's the job you do it, you get it done, and um, those are the things that we naturally want to go towards. But sometimes sitting down in the office and and you know pulling things together and looking out. 12 to 18 months that's hard to do and i'm not saying i got it done perfect i don't but that's that's the that's hard to do well let's move on to this uh now what we're, we're talking about here is this uh it's a beef checkoff funded uh project and uh you got that up in front of you mm-hmm, i do justin why don't you kick it off and, and we'll t- this is good stuff folks so we gotta we gotta we gotta always i think uh honor folks that are are diligently working uh behind the scenes in our industry to make it what it is today uh justin remember back about 15 20 years ago we started to say um things like we really have to get our story out Mm -hmm. we have a great story we need to tell it uh we need to tell it and not let somebody else tell it uh I didn't know how far that was going to go back then because, you know, I didn't say all of a sudden all these people start stepping up to the mic and their blogs and, and uh, you know, getting on, on Facebook and Instagram. And we have a very, very strong, strong presence out there as, as, to, as to how we are doing things and why we're doing them right and, and, and connecting with the consumers. So go ahead, kick it off. All right. Well, according to the most recent ag census, more than 230,000 farms or ranches across America have a woman at the helm. Did you know that? I did not know that. Now, National Women's History Month, National Ag Day, is March 23rd. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association sharing just a few of the stories of thousands of women across the country who produce the high-quality beef product that we all love. So let's look into some of those. Uh, Let's head to Nebraska. What do you have there? We got our very own Taryn Dreeling, and she writes for us, has been writing for us for Mm. quite a few years now. Uh, she's 36. Her and her husband live and work on... Her husband's so cool. Live and work on a large ranch in the sand hills of Nebraska. Dreeling spends her days caring for the land, cattle, and their three young children and still finds time to manage a family business and various social media platforms. And she says, ranching and raising beef cattle is more than our livelihood. It's our passion. It's what lights our fire and gets us out of bed in the morning. It's our calling. 
And Taryn, of course, is a Masters of Beef advocate. And uh, we just, I think anytime, Justin, that we can um, bring some recognition to these amazing folks, uh, it's just fantastic. Who's next? Okay, well, we have Kinsey, Carly, and Avery Bertram out of Oklahoma. Now, these are three sisters, and they support their family's multi-generational cattle ranch and Going to school at the same time, work there as in the household. Kinsey's 20, Carly's 20, and Avery is 17. All of them are very instrumental in caring for their black and red Angus cattle at Bertram Cattle LLC, right there in around Stillwater, Oklahoma. Now, when they're not going to school or working at Farm Data Services Incorporated, the family's agricultural accounting firm, these three sisters take on the daily chores. They're feeding and caring for the cattle and helping with cabin and everything in between. Kenzie uh, saying that uh, ranching never stops. The cows don't know if it's Christmas, Easter, yeah. or anniversary. And I don't think, you know, that's a good point because it, that's one of the things we've talked about a lot. When there's a, when there's a weather winter storm out there, cows still got to be fed, and that's what she's saying there. So uh, caring for others, juggling numerous responsibilities comes naturally to these three girls. Their mother also balanced a career, home responsibility, and ranch work until her recent passing, which only inspired these young ladies to take on more responsibility. So heads up to these three girls for stepping up and in light of the tougher situation, but at the same time taking on the responsibilities of the ranch. And so heads up to these three girls. And the third one that gets a little recognition on this Beef Checkoff funded project, Dr. Brandy Karish, Mississippi. Uh, PhD, 37 years old, finds the balance between lectures and livestock as a state beef extension specialist for Mississippi State University and co-owner of MBK Cattle, wife and mom to two young boys. She and her husband started MBK Cattle in 2012. Today they spend mornings, evenings, and weekends in the fields with their young children raising registered Simmental and Sim Angus cattle. And uh, boy, I mean, that's exactly what this whole thing is about this is a lifestyle you involve the kids you involve the grandparents everybody's involved Karish says we choose to raise cattle because we love it and we cannot imagine a life without cattle in it that's about like us hey Justin we're kind of like hooked on it our goal is to give these cattle the best possible life we can while they are entrusted in our care that's a perfect statement for today's well for the Tim's two two bucks yeah I mean, people got to understand that this is exactly, well, like Karish says, to, to, to finish off her quote, for our family, cows are something we eat, sleep, and breathe. Just great to honor these folks, mm-hmm. Justin. You bet. It's National Women's History Month and National Ag Day this week, so we want to bring to light uh, some of the success stories and the neat stories, the great stories that define some truly outstanding individuals in livestock agriculture. Well, stay with us. When we come back, Don Day will be joining me as we're going to talk about some weather folklore and then later look at the long-term weather forecast here for the ag industry. We'll be back with more right after this. Shh, hear that? It's a quiet, easy-handling Hereford cow. That's right. No broken fences, no busted gates, no injured people. Herefords lead the way in the silent traits and fertility. Studies show they increase profitability by more than $51 per cow per year. At the same time, that's real money and real results. Isn't it time for you to come home to Hereford? Learn more at Hereford.org. 
Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills, as this week's main feature brought to you by Corteva AgriScience. Keep weeds out of the way with the new DuraCore herbicide and make the most of your pasture. Learn more at DuraCoreHerbicide.com. And joining me now, we haven't had our meteorologist Don Day joining us for several couple of weeks here, Don, and and so we're gonna we're gonna get caught up on long term weather in just a little bit. But I'll tell you what, I want to ask you something. You and I have talked about this a little bit before, but I've been wanting to have this conversation on the podcast as well, and that is in, in regards to. A little bit of a weather folklore here in regards to 90-day fog forecasting. Now, this was something I heard years ago from weatherman John Pulaski up in Montana, and he always talked about this. And so what can you tell me about this? What have you heard about it? Because I do have some fog weather events coming up for our area here, and as dry as we are, boy, I need any sort of optimistic element future I I can get. So (laughs) tell me what you think about this 90-day fog forecasting. Well, I, I think there's probably something to it um, and for, for several reasons, but to kind of circle back and recap a little bit. And when, when you observe a, a widespread fog event, uh, the lore is, is that in 90 days, correct me if I'm wrong mm-hmm. here, Justin, mm-hmm. but in 90 days, you can expect a precipitation event. And a lot of times it's, it's usually a good one. Um, and in continental North America, uh, this may not apply for all parts of the world, but for continental North America, and you know, I would include most of the central and western United States and central and western Canada with this, is that if you really closely observe the weather cycles, the rhythms to the weather, a lot of times you will see the weather repeat itself uh, in weekly cycles. A lot of times you'll, you'll find one year that it seems like the fronts seem to arrive on weekends. Another year might seem like fronts arrive on Wednesdays. Well, it's really remarkable that those type of patterns do happen. You'll see that with the weather pattern a lot of times between spring and, you know, going back, I would say from fall to spring, from the fall season to the spring season. Mm -hmm. So if you were to add up these weekly cycles and then merge them with, every 90 days or basically every three months, well, months are made out of weeks. So you can have these patterns that can repeat themselves. And a lot of times, bigger outbreaks of colder, stormy weather sometimes do reach their peak after three or four week cycles. Now, it all depends on where you are on those cycles and where you are located. But what caused a fog event is probably a precipitation event. And that is a signal that within that 90-day cycle and maybe around that 90 days or so, you may have another one. So I think while there hasn't been any rigorous scientific investigation into this, it does make sense uh, from the way we observe the weather patterns to go. Now, if you live in Florida, if you live, let's say, in North Carolina or even Maine, I don't necessarily think that that pattern is probably going to be as predictable as maybe in the central and western United States. Mm-hmm. Well, and I always felt in some ways that it was just agriculture people's way of having some optimism in the. In the- <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing one thing I've learned doing this uh, for thirty years now I can't believe it's been that long, but is is that there is a lot to people who observe the weather. And especially if it's been in their family for for several generations that you find out the people who are working outside and 
their livelihood is most sensitive to the weather, that they're keen observers of weather. And I actually put a lot of stock into that. I really mm-hmm. respect people's opinions on, on what they observe because we can have every fancy computer model in the world, Justin, but it doesn't give us what people, the boots on the ground and experience shows us. That's one thing that people don't really realize about computer modeling. They look forward. They don't look backward. So what has happened in the past, these historical precedents, these observations aren't fed into those. So a lot of times, 90-day fog cycles are something that I, that I think have, definitely have worthy are, are worthy in terms of recognizing them and maybe worthy in studying them as well. Here's another thing, and this is really this really isn't maybe a folklore, but sun dogs. You know, we see those, and and there's there's uh, you know, I always remember my dad saying something about okay, we're gonna have a weather change when we see a sun dog. What's what do you know about that? Well, a lot of that is it, it goes along with some of the the sea the sea folk lore, the the lore of of sailors. You, you probably heard the red at night sailors delight mm-hmm. red in the morning sailors take warning. Well, what causes those red conditions? where that that sailor terms comes from uh, is a lot of the same weather conditions that cause sun dogs. The sun dog will happen when you have high cirrostratus clouds and high level cirrostratus clouds are the widespread high level clouds. That, they kind of look like a stratus cloud, but they're way up high. Well, those precede larger, bigger storm systems. So if those thicken, they'll cause the diffraction of the light from the sun and will cause a sun dog. So a lot of times sun dogs were observed before big storms. So again, it's one of those situations where it does make sense. All right. Well, we've talked a little bit about weather folklore. We're going to be talking about the future and what's coming up in our long-term forecast after this. If you could do something today that would bring you profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with limousine genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds naturally to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today, Profit Tomorrow. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. Justin Mills, your host. Thank you again for joining us as we continue now with meteorologist Don Day. And uh, Don, we've come out of some pretty rough weather different uh, across some different portions uh, as far back to a month ago to as far early as the last seven to ten days with the big storm that went through southern Wyoming and Colorado and Nebraska, South Dakota. But as we look ahead uh, down the road, we've been talking quite a bit about La Nina and you have commented that maybe weakening just a little bit. Does that give me here? I'm just searching for optimism. I just need some optimism in the in the moisture forecasting. So, what can you tell us about the weakening of of La Nina? Well, certainly, the weakening of La Nina is is a good thing because that is a hint that maybe it won't be as strong this spring and summer as it was a year ago, which. It was really a big factor in last year's drought situation over most of the central and western United States. Now, it should be said that during the spring season, now that we've got officially into spring, we've got 12-hour days now, that sun is going right across the equator where the sea surface temperatures cause La Nina's El Ninos to form. And a lot of times, 
you should expect La Niña's to weaken a little bit this time of year as the sun's just more focused on those waters, helping to warm them up a little bit. Um, and we have seen a weakening of it. And, and what this means is, and, and I think that a little bit of what has happened over the last two weeks with this uptick in stormy weather with some areas that have gotten some bigger snows and bigger rains and parts of the Corn Belt and the Central Rockies and the Southern Plains is I do think there's a little bit of, of that going on. However, most of our long-range indi- tools are indicating that while La Nina does not appear to be as strong going into the spring and summer as it was a year ago, the tendency, though, is still for those sea surface temperatures in the Pacific to still be a little bit colder than normal. So push come to shove, Justin, what, what I think what we're going to see for the rest of the spring and summer of 2021 is it is likely still going to be drier than normal for a large part of the central and western United States. However, I don't think it's going to be as severe as 2020. So um, I know that's not promising a lot <laughs> and giving a lot of folks a lot of glimmer of hope. But I, but I think in, in three or four weeks, we should definitely bring this up and talk again. Mm-hmm. Because one thing we have learned that in these spring transitions into summer out in the Pacific, we have seen the computer modeling go wrong. We have seen some pr- surprise changes from La Nina to El Nino, or at least going into that neutral phase. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still a little pessimistic about the rest of spring and summer on a widespread basis. Although, if you look at what happened over the last couple of weeks, that has really helped out some folks, but it has mi- it missed a lot of other people mm-hmm. as well. So we're, we're not... We've put some dents in the drought, but we've got a long way to break it. When you have talked about this, the forecast showing maybe we start to move out of uh, La Nina into late summer, fall, is that an indication that we could have a have a rougher wintertime or more moisture in the wintertime? Well, one thing that you tend to see is when you transition out of this La Nina, which we will, it will end. Usually they don't go more than two years. Um, is that you go in what would be best described as a neutral phase to where you're, you're sort of in between the, the fading La Nina and maybe the next year's coming El Nino. You can have some rough winters. You, you do have a lot of variability and you do have the storm frequency increase. Now, one thing that seems a little counterintuitive is, is that this big Arctic outbreak that many areas of the United States experienced in February is actually more typical in La Nina's than what we would say a neutral phase. So you may have a rougher winter in terms of more storms after a La Nina, but it may not necessarily be as cold. All right. Well, thank you, Don, for joining us again for this episode. I always appreciate you taking the time to do it. By the way, I would like to remind you that if you would interested in Don Day's daily weather video podcast, you can go to his website at dayweather.com and you can subscribe from that point. So again, that's dayweather.com. Well, that's going to bring things to a close here, folks, for this episode. I want to thank the Captain Tim O'Byrne for joining us earlier in this program. And also a thank you to our sponsors, the American Cementalist Association providing more predictability to the producer so that we can make management decisions that increase our profitability. Simgenetics, profit through science. Find out more at Simmental.org. Also, Central Life Sciences, plan ahead with Altacid IGR fly control products. The American Hereford Association, Corteva AgriScience, and their new DuraCore herbicide. Check it out at DuraCoreHerbicide.com and the North American Limousine Foundation. 
This has been a production of the Working Ranch Magazine, and be looking for that latest issue that is headed into your mailbox as we speak. And if you have questions, ideas for topics of this show, would like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting the studio here at 307-363-COWS. That's 307-363-COWS. Or shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining me. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.